This one's been in my head and on my heart for the past week, so this is where we're going.
Take your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Exodus. Book to book of Exodus, chapter sixteen. You know, as we do celebrate Memorial Day, I think I heard the best description of it this week. It said this: it said that Memorial Day is a forgotten holiday. A lot of people think of it as the the, the start of summer. And we've forgotten the true meaning of what it is. Memorial Day isn't a day to celebrate the men in uniform. They have their, their day. Men and women in uniform, they have their day with, that we celebrate them. It's not for those who took the uniform off and survived. That's Veterans Day. Memorial Day is for those who went and served and paid the ultimate price. Those who never got to come home. That's what Memorial Day is. And so many times we forget what it is all about. We forget about the men and women in uniform who gave everything so that we might sit here. Many have died in places that nobody even knows. Places you can't pronounce. And they went because they were needed. It's not like we've been invaded. We had the Civil War. We fought amongst ourselves. But our men and women today are those who are in different places and faraway lands fighting for what we believe in keeping us safe, who gave everything for us. They'll never get to come home again. This ought to be a reminder. And today we've taken that wonderful <laughs> sacred day and turned it into a day where people barbecue and people don't even stop and thank those who gave their life for us. That's what Memorial Day is. It's a day to remember and for us as children of God, the one thing we can remember is we had someone who gave his life for us. But the memorial we have is an empty tomb because he got up. My prayer is the day for all the soldiers who serve that they know the Lord so that one day they too, if they fall on the field of battle, will rise again. That should be our prayer. That should be our desire for Memorial Day. Pray for the troops today that they come to the, lo the, the, the loving knowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross for them. Accept him as their savior. Pray for those who's given their lives, the families that are left behind. That's what Memorial Day is about. So this, this weekend... Stop and thank those who paid the ultimate price for all of us. Join me in prayer as we pray a prayer of thanks for those who paid the price for our freedom that we might can sit in church today and worship free. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come to you today, Father, we thank you for this day that was set aside to remember those men and women who gave their life for us. 
Lord, so that we might live in a nation that you've placed us in that is free. Lord, we have forgotten that the that the, this nation was founded so that we might have the ability to freely worship, to freely come to you. And so, Father, I thank you for that opportunity of being able to be born in America, the privilege it is to be an American. And, Lord, I thank you for those who gone and have paid the ultimate price for my freedom, for those who were willing to sacrifice. Father, I thank you for the fact that this is a nation that's free and this is a nation that is under God. So, Father, I pray you forgive us of our, our sins and our trespasses. And today, Father, as we, we remember those who fail, Lord, we pray that you, you think upon us as a nation. Lord, I pray for the leadership of our nation. Lord, I pray that you can touch their hearts and open their eyes to see the direction we need to go. Father, I pray for those young men and women that are in uniform now, that, Lord, before it's too late, if they don't know you, they come to know you as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you keep your hand on our, our men and women in uniform. Keep them safe. Lord, that they won't have to, to be thought of on Memorial Day, but thought of on Veterans Day. Father, I thank you for those that's been in our church that served and who've been who selfishly gave of themselves that we might be free. But, Father, we thank you for those who paid the ultimate price. Lord, I pray that, that they knew you. And, Lord, I pray that as a church we thank you for that privilege and that we live a life that's worthy of the sacrifice that was given. Father, we most thank you for the memorial that we have, an empty tomb that you conquered death. And we thank you for that privilege of being a child of God. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. All right, take your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 16. Look at verses 11 through 15 as we're starting to look at them and give you a little history of what's happened. The children of Israel had come up out of out of Egypt during the wilderness they're in the wilderness of sin and they're wandering and uh, this is on the second month that they've been out of Egypt. And of course, they were starting to complain. Isn't it amazing? How when God does something great in our life, the next thing we do is start to complain. I think we all fall in that line. And, and, and so it says, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Now, it's always funny that it was always their fault. Isn't it amazing how we like to blame other people? You know, they went with them, but hey, it's Aaron and Moses' fault. And, and, and so they, they, they complained. Listen to their complaint in verse 3. It said, The children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat the bread of the full to the full, when we have brought us forth in this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. We were content because, yeah, they were beating us. We were content. We, we were slaves, but we had something to eat. And now you brought us out here in the middle of nowhere there's no 
McDonald's, there's no nothing, and we're starving to death. Isn't that amazing? But God promises to feed them, and let's look, starting in verse 11. It says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, I've heard the murmuring of the children of Israel. Speak unto them, saying, At evening you shall eat flesh, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. And ye shall know that I am the Lord your God. And it came to pass that at the evening the quails came up and covered the camps. In the morning the dew lay around the host. And when the dew that was lay was gone, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there, was a, there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoar frost on the ground. And when the children saw it, they said one to another, It is manna. For they wist not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. So the children saw this, this, this blessing. And, and he said, This is the bread. And, and I, I like how they put it. They looked at it and they said, What is it? Because that's what manna actually means. If you translate it, it means, what is it? They didn't know. And it lay all over the place. Now, I've read all kinds of studies this week. It's been fun to read. I love how people try to take what God does and, 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 and give it an ability that people can grasp. That's like They say, well, you have to understand that quail migrate, and at that time, they migrated there. Well, they didn't read the whole story because for 40 years... Evidently, these quail migrated wherever the children of Israel went because every day they got to eat quail. Maybe that's why we as Baptists love chicken so much. <laughs> and then in the morning, here come the frost. And when the frost disappeared, there was this stuff that covered the ground. And it, they called it manna. And, and what is it? And, and they basically, they had to sweep it up. Bible says they ground it, they kneaded it, and they did different things with it. The word, the, the word they had here is bread. It is, let me share that word with you so I pronounce it correctly. It is lechem. And it means food, bread, corn, grain. It kind of encompasses everything. God said, I'm going to feed you, but you have to go get it. You got to do something with it. Now, for 40 years, he fed them in the wilderness. 40 years, they had, they called it manna the whole time. Now, the, uh, their, their scientists say, well, what it is, is this ant comes and it secretes this stuff in the morning and by the noon, it's melted away. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord, there must have been a billion ants that came every day and followed these people all over the desert and fed them. But here was, what is it? And, and, and the people ate it. And of course, what did they do once they got to eating it? They complained. We're tired of it. And, and, but here God feeds them. Now, you, you go to a couple of thousand years later and Jesus is on the scene. and He feeds 5,000 people with bread and fish. And in John chapter 6, verse 30, 
through 35, we see after he's fed the people this bread, and he's blessed it, and it's multiplied, and when all 5,000 of the men ate, and all the women ate, and all the children ate, there were 12 baskets of scraps left over. And so here we get just a little bit after that. Listen to what happens. The, the people, they came. They wanted to be, see more of this bread. See, all they can remember is how God fed the children of Israel, how God gave them something to eat. And so they come to Jesus. We heard you do this miracle. And we want it. We want it. We want it. And it says this in verse 30. And they said, therefore, they're of him. What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What does thou work? Now, they're saying, give us a sign, show us something. Here's what they said next. Our fathers did eat manna in the desert as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they came wanting a blessing. Here, Lord, give us something that we physically can touch, we can physically eat. And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the bread from heaven. For the bread of God, which has come down from heaven and giveth life to the world, then he said unto them, The Lord evermore give us this bread. So I'm probably sure by the time he said that, boy, their mouths were watering. They were ready. He's fixing to feed us again. He's fixing to give us some of that bread. I've heard how good it was. I heard how great it was. I want my share of it. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me should never thirst. You see, the people in Jesus' time, they had heard about what the children of Israel got. When Jesus started feeding people, all they could think about was those temporal blessings. That's how we a lot of times think, well, I'm not being blessed by God unless I'm getting stuff. I'm not being blessed by God unless I've got money. I'm not being blessed by God unless I've got a good house. I'm not being blessed by God unless i got a better car than the neighbors and so forth and so forth. That's what the problem was in Jesus' time. And, and, and they never could get past the, the, the temporal blessings to the, the, the spiritual blessings that God was promising them. You think of how God took care of the children of Israel when they were in the wilderness and how he watched over them. He treated them like children. He gave them the things that they needed, not always the things they desired. I mean, how many of y'all like to eat the same thing every day? I mean, they're, they're, I can eat breakfast every day, but not my afternoon, my lunch, and all the other times I eat, I want something different. And we get upset. How many of y'all, like, you, you, you make a big pot of something and you got leftovers for a month? <coughs> Anybody ever done that? Yeah. Especially parents, when your kids moved out of the house, how long did it take you to learn to cook? <laughs> there you go. So, so that you didn't have to eat the same thing. You know, the refrigerator, I'm starving to death. It's part of this, part of this, part of this, part of this. It's been there for a month. <laughs> we complain just like they did. 
And here God was blessing them. He fed 5,000, fed 4,000, and all they wanted was to be fed. He says, you're missing the point. You're missing the whole thing. It, it, it's not the physical blessing. It's not that the things that we see that God physically did for the children of Israel. It was the deliverance that he gave them. It was the protection that he gave them. It was the wonderful things that he, he set them apart from everybody else. And we don't see today the things that God gives us. The blessings that he pours out on us so many times. Because we're too busy, like the people of Jesus' time, fixated on the, the physical things that we can touch, feel, use. Rather than being on the wonderful blessings that God gives us. The, the, the spiritual blessings that he does. You know, I think sometimes we, we look around and we say, well, where's these blessings? What is it that I don't have? Paul said in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 33, he said this. He said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blesses us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. See, Paul figured it out. He said, boy, we get blessed. And a lot of it's spiritual blessings that you can't physically touch. You can't physically move. But it's more part of your life than anything else. It's like the blessing that we have of peace. You, you know, in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul wrote this. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be made known unto men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgivings, let your requests be made known unto God. And the God of peace, which, excuse me, and the peace of God, I'll get that right in a second, which passes all understandings shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. He gives a list of stuff to do. And he says, when you do these things, you get one of the greatest blessings you've ever had. It's that peace that we have as children of God. You, you think, you know, I mean, have you ever thought about the peace that you have when you're going through problems? The peace you have when the doctor says you're ill? The peace you have when things seem to be falling apart? The peace you'd have even after watching the news? You know, here, let me, let me think about this. He gave us a whole thing from verse 4 through 7, a whole list of things to do to get this peace. He said, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You know, we ought to rejoice of nothing else because you're a child of God, and that's something special. Amen. That ought to put a smile on your face and wake up. Hey, I'm still here. I'm still a child of God. I need to rejoice. Paul, Peter said it this best. He said, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he said, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. But what God did in your life to bring you from being a heathen to being a child of God ought to make you rejoice and be excited every day. I'm no longer who I was. I'm somebody different. God changed me and does something great with me. I mean, you know, don't you think about this. How many of you would want to be the person you used to be? You know, I still look like them. Well, actually, I'm uglier than I used to be. 
And I've changed a lot. It's funny. Uh, I, we, I, I had a friend the other day, and he's talking. He said, I heard you had cancer. And he said, it must have been really rough because, man, it must have been hard. I said, it didn't do nothing to me physically. He said, oh. I said, I did this myself. But I don't care because I'm not who I used to be. God saved me. He changed me. Done a lot of things in my life. I used to get talk to people. And God's changed me. So I would be excited. Lord, you saved me. You changed me. I, 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 I'm a chosen generation. Rejoice. Rejoice just becomes who you are. If you can do that, could you, if you can rejoice, you can have peace. Amen. When you can rejoice about who you are, what God's done in your life, and you look at the things that that, that fall apart all around you say, I don't care. God's got it. Because I see, if he can do this to me, boy, what can he do to things? Amen. And stuff in my life. So rejoice. You get peace through rejoicing. Listen to what he said next. He said, let your moderation be known unto all men. Live your life as a testimony. If you're a child of God, don't try to hide it except on Sundays. You know, that's the one thing that gets me is people who, who want to say I'm a child of God, I'm saved, and then go out and live in the world like the world. No, oh, I'm guilty of it too. Everybody in here does. We want to fit in. How many of y'all like to fit in? Don't seem odd. But it's getting to where, let me tell you a secret, you no longer can fit into the world. You've got to be different. If you're saved, if you've got something to rejoice about, you're not going to be like the world. Live your testimony when you're not at church. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So it's what God's done. Now listen to the next verse. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Well, know why they had such a great testimony? They had faith in the one who changed them. They had faith in the one they rejoiced in. So by God, we ought to have faith. We ought to be different. We ought to show it in the way we live. And, and the next one. Don't let things in the world bother you. Because that's what he says. He said, be careful for nothing. Be careful for for, for nothing. Some translations said, don't have anxiety. Don't get upset. Don't let things bother you. You know, Matthew chapter 22, verses 30, in verse 37, Jesus said this. He said to them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. So see, if you do that, You've got your priorities straight. I'm at. Now, we live in a society today that it's easy to get upset. Amen? Things happen. I mean, how many of y'all have had bad things happen? Anybody besides me? Have everything you own break? Anybody ever had that hat that week? You own it, you, you touched it, it broke. You go home, you rip the door off the refrigerator. How'd that happen? I don't know. Just everything goes bad. Those things happen. But when you allow that to become the center focus on your life, ever notice what happens to you? You start to get depressed. Satan loves to take depression 
and, and, and use it against the children of God. Because it is something we all suffer from. It's all something we battle from. It's hard to rejoice all the time. It's hard to be excited all the time. You know, we ought to be excited. We ought to be the happiest people in the world. But we live in the world. So we, we need to be sure our priorities are right. Because when your priorities are set straight, when God's the first thing in your life, the most important thing in your life, you can have the thing set right and it's not as bad as it sometimes is. Because God's first and you know who to turn to when things fall apart. I mean, how many of y'all have to call and say, hey, pray for me, lift me up, I'm having a rough day. Well, you know something? You've got God first in your life because that was the first thing you went to. Have your priorities right. And then, of course, you've got to go with the next part of that verse where it says, but in, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Basically, I'll put it this like, like this. Have God first, then pray, pray, pray. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15, he says, what is it? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. Paul said, I'm going to pray, I'm going to sing, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to go to the Lord because i got a problem. He's the one who says, pray without ceasing. You know what part of our problem is in life? The reason why we don't have peace is because we're not praying and having God right in our life. Now listen to that last verse. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let the peace rule your life. Let it be in your heart. You know what's in here? The way your heart feels is how you react with the world. When you've got peace, when you've got that in your life, when you've got God's peace and understanding in your heart, things don't bother you. You understand it. It's a blessing from God to have that peace. It's a blessing of God to have it first and foremost in your life. Be thankful because of it. I'll tell you another thing that God gives us. And it's fellowship. You know, how many of y'all, after a while during the, the pandemic, got tired of being at home? How many of you got tired of being at home with your sweetie pie? I'll go outside. I never go outside and mow the lawn. I'll do it with a pair of scissors just to get out of the house. You know, you think about it. We, 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 we had a chance to understand what it was like not to have fellowship. You know, we, we had that, that fellowship that we had that, that ought to draw us and strengthen us. Listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, you ought to know these verses by now. And it says this, verse 24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Hebrews said this, that we ought to be coming together to fellowship. Why? 
because we need to promote, we need to push each other to make sure we're doing the right things. To, to be sure that that love of God's in our heart. Because let me tell you something, if you start getting mean, then it's amazing how God puts somebody in your life all of a sudden. You know, Julie gets on to me all the time. I think she lives for it sometimes. You. And here's how she did it, preacher. You don't need to say that. Don't you dare post that. So she, she's provoking me into good works. So that's what God's called us to do. To come together to pro, and, and, and to, to provoke unto love and to good works. Because when we're together, we hold each other accountable. When we're together, God strengthens us. When we're together, He does great things through us. Listen to what it says next. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. As times are getting towards the end of time, we need each other more now than we've ever needed each other in the past. Because let me tell you something, you want peace, you want happiness, you ain't gonna find it out there, amen? You're gonna find something that's a band-aid. You're gonna find something that don't last. You're gonna find something like the bread they got up off the floor every day in the desert. After 40 years, it was gone. But when you've got God for fellowship, let me tell you, fellowship lasts. Isn't it amazing how you can go someplace and you can find the Christians right off? That's a blessing God gives us. We're to think about each other. We're to encourage one another. And you think, he gave us all different gifts. He gave us all different things. Aren't you glad you come to church with a bunch of people who ain't like you? Amen. Don't that make it great? That's a that ought to be a blessing right there. Could you imagine being in a room full of you? Boy, I tell you, I wouldn't want to be in a room full of me. One, if we had family out there, wouldn't be enough food. Two, I know how I am, and I don't like me sometimes. But I need some people around me that love. I've got a wonderful church. I've got a wonderful family. It's an extended family. It's all over the world. Amen. Because that's the kind of God I have. The fellowship he gives. He gives us fellowship not only with him and each other, but with him, excuse me. You know, you ever thought about the fellowship God gives us? Paul said this, he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful. By whom ye were called unto fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now Jesus said this, he said, if a man love me and keeps my word, my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. One of the best blessings I think I ever received in my entire life was salvation. You know, when, when you, you understand how much God loves you. When John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. When that verse comes to life in your heart, that is the biggest blessing there is. 
You know, you, you think that he, he sent his, world, his son into the world. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save it. Why? Because of sin. The Bible says wages of sin is death. And Jesus came. He says, I'll pay the price for you. You know, it's a debt you can't pay. People try to say, if my good outweighs my bad, then I'm okay. When I get to heaven, you know, I, I hope I'm good enough to get there. You're not. None of us are. But God said, I'm going to give you my son. And through him, I'm going to give you a way. Because I, I, we were talking about that this morning on the way to church. Could you imagine if this was all there was? If all there was in life is to be born and to die. We're like parasites then. We're not worthy of anything. But we are created in the image of God. Made from dirt. God formed the first man, breath of life to his nostrils. Now he gave a choice. Sin or not. The man chose to sin. Destroyed a fellowship. Jesus came. Died on the cross. Paid the price for the sin. The wages of sin was death. All you got to do is accept and believe them. And that is the most biggest blessing there is. When I accepted Christ, I didn't know a lot about the Bible. I was young. I didn't know none of the stories. You don't have to know. All you got to understand is that Jesus Christ loves you. And all your flaws and all your brokenness and everything you've done wrong, he still loves you. And he died on the cross for you. And he, he gave his life for you. All you got to do is ask him in. The Bible says that, behold, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I'll come in and sup with him and him with me. He says, I'm asking if I can come in. I'm not going to force my way in. I want you to invite me in. And it's simple. How many of y'all remember the prayer you prayed? Or how you felt when you prayed it? If you've never prayed it, I'm going to pray it. You pray along with me. It's this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And you rose again from the dead. Lord, I ask to help me turn from my sins. and Forgive me. Come into my heart. Make me a new creature in Christ. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Bible says if you believe what you pray in your heart, you will be saved. It's as simple as that. Now let me ask you a question. Those of you who know you're saved, you've got all the blessings you can think of, what kind of fellowship do you have with Jesus today? John said this, and I'm going to close with this. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. He said, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. The Son cleanses us from all sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. 
What kind of relationship do you have? Are you saying, I'm good, and you're really not? Some of us need to stop and say, Lord, how's my testimony today? Maybe I don't have peace because I don't live it. I spend more time in the darkness. I thought, as I read this verse, I thought of a song by D.C. Talk. And it starts off by this. It says, the single, greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians. They acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. What if I stumble? What if I fall? Praise God we got a Lord who one of the best, biggest, biggest gifts he gives us is forgiveness and hope. So you don't have to have stuff to have God's blessing. You just got to see the truth. It's all around us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the gifts you give us. You promise us so much. You promise us that there's hope. You tell us that the eye is not seen nor the ear is heard the things you've got in store for us. You tell us, you fill us with joy, love, and laughter. You give us peace. And Father, today I know there's some here that they're struggling with things and maybe they just need to, to be reminded of the peace that you give. Father, there's some here that have friends who don't know you and that brings concern to their heart. So, Father, maybe they need to come pray for them. But, Father, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you help us this morning. Lord, if there's somebody watching us or there's somebody who's hearing us, Lord, that don't know you, I pray today will be the day they do. Lord, if there's a Christian who's out of fellowship, they'll see that right now they're living a life that's making you a liar. Lord, they'll come back. You're like the prodigal son's father. You're always there waiting on us. With open arms, ready to receive us home when we decide to turn. Help us to do that which is right today. Help us to live the life that we should. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet, we're going to sing page 11. 11. The altar's open. <laughs>